At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. And the lesson is... If you're looking for a reckoning, a reckoning is what you'll find. Sir, put down your weapon! If you're looking for a villain, then I'm your man. Sir, drop your weapon! But look at yourselves. This world you've built is bound by villainy. You sleep on the broken bodies of the people that were here before you. Warm yourselves with their embers. Blow their bones! Into your fields. I'm not after you, sir. Don't do this. You paid them for this land with lead. And I'll pay you back in full. Sir, drop your weapon and come out with your hands up. You wanted me. What all I can say to that is. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast, I'm Jason. And I'm David. This is Westworld Cast, episode 15. I'm feeling really satisfied that we've made it this far. <laughs> well, I was going to say we've made it through one season, but I guess we really haven't made it through one season until the end of this episode. That's true. I guess I can't. <laughs> I shouldn't be counting it can my... all go wrong from here. Right. <laughs> Is this now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we just get right into it? So it's our top five highlights for season two, episode 10, The Passenger, which I thought felt... Uh, in some ways, like it could have been a series finale. Yeah. You know, I said exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, the uh, I, I love the episode. I love the season. And, you know, we're going to get all into, I'm sure, what we loved about it. There was a, a few things I did not love in this episode and season. And one of them was that. Uh, they kind of stuck a whole big epilogue at the end, and I sort of wish they had just ended the episode when he was on the beach, exactly where. Mm, right. Yeah, I love when stories do that. Yeah, and then just um, leave all that stuff for season mm-hmm. three. Um, not that it wasn't good. It was. Yeah, you know, come to think of it, I'm not so sure about that epilogue because 
first on first watch it just made it confusing and you don't need something to make this story more confusing <laughs> more confusing than it already is yeah great and then i went and read interviews with the showrunners that where they confirmed that this is a later time it's in the far future and there were hints in the scene about that that things were kind of broken down and that his you're talking about the man in black yeah yeah yes yeah i guess yeah i'm not just yeah i guess there was also the whole thing with um dolores outside and everything but yeah i'm just talking about the man in black so then it made well it didn't really make a lot more sense but at least it didn't mess up my conception of what happened in the episode aside from that which is what it kind of felt like it did at first like wait a minute i thought we saw him on the beach and he was in the you know hammock and where did he just disappear to anyway so um i don't know what how much it added i guess it's something that that the show might work towards yeah and i I think they wanted to hook people for season three and i think they wanted to give a satisfying finish um i i think this show veers a little bit sometimes between i mean it's obviously a very complex show that can be quite confusing and I think sometimes they just don't quite trust the audience and they're like, okay, we got to really explain it and hit it, hit you over the head with it just to make sure you got it uh, sometimes. And I kind of wish they would just go with it. It's like you guys went with a complex, confusing show. Just go with it. Trust us. We'll figure it out. I, wait, I, I'm not sure. Like I thought it was the opposite that the show was so cryptic that, we didn't understand what was going on, but you're saying they over explained. I'm just saying the very end uh-huh. um, where they, they could have just ended the story. In yeah. A symmetrical wrap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that would have been nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into our top five. What's your number five? My number five is positive outcomes, at least to a point. <laughs> uh, and sometimes it's a pretty limited point uh, for characters. We have become emotionally attached to. So this show is precious short on good feeling. <laughs> I mean, I love it. It's complex. It's fun. It's interesting. But, you know, not a lot of warm and fuzzy in this show. <laughs> um, so I think the bar is pretty low for what's going to make you feel good. And I thought a couple of the characters that we care about had a good ending or a relatively good ending. <laughs> um, so I'll start with the lowest of the low bar. And that would be Lee Sizemore, who yes. finally got to say his speech. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Even though he got killed at the yeah. end of it, but he kind of kind of went out in a blaze of glory and got to become what he always wanted to be, sort of. And as, I, as he was saying it, I'm like, that's not half bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and it had been interrupted several times before. Uh-huh. And it was cool that he, it's almost like, I thought, you know, does he really need to jump out there? Like, could there be another solution to this rather than put himself in mortal danger? So it was almost like he's like, yeah, but then I'll get to say my speech. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of felt like he did that whole thing on purpose. It didn't really serve that much of a practical (laughs) purpose. But uh, it was very satisfying. And they played the music from Sweetwater. And uh, I just, yeah, it was a very feel good moment. I agree. Yes. So, and then Maeve, who he gave his life to save, at least for the moment. Um, I would say her future is uncertain at the end of the episode, but she did get to see her daughter saved to the sublime. 
mm-hmm. which is, by the way, what the showrunners were calling essentially the digital heaven. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Yeah. And I bet you I, she's with uh, Felix and Sylvester at the end and somebody orders them to salvage whatever hosts they think they can. And her body is right there. So I feel like that's a yeah. clue. That Yeah. And they're sort of Maeve's fanboys. Mm-hmm. So strong clue that uh, we're going to see Tandy Newton again. Right. Akichita and Teddy were also saved to the sublime. Although I have to say Teddy looked sad because he was there alone. It's like he's been put out to pasture. <laughs> yeah, without Dolores, he's there by himself and she's <laughs> cornerstone. So I don't know how happy that was. Right. Um, but at least, you know, he's not dead well, forever. Here's the thing is uh, Kohana, Akichita's love, just kind of appeared. It yes. seemed like out of thin air. And there was talk about how it, this world of the valley beyond can be whatever you want it to be. And, and also um, Bernard had kind of imagined Ford back into existence. So I took that to mean that maybe Akichita just sort of imagined Kohana into existence. So maybe Teddy can imagine whatever version of Dolores he likes best. Yeah, that's a great call. I didn't quite think of that. Um, I did notice that she sort of appeared out of nowhere seemed like it and yeah and we hadn't seen her before and i mean the last time we saw her she was in cold storage i think mm-hmm. and uh, right. that's right so it doesn't there isn't necessarily any other plausible way she would have showed up there all of a sudden yeah i mean who knows maybe ford planted her there for him or something right <laughs> but um but that's a good call maybe mm-hmm. maybe teddy can can recreate dolores right. um maybe a nicer version <laughs> right, maybe um, a little closer to that farm girl he fell in love yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so Sylvester and Felix, you mentioned, but they survived. Yep, that's a positive on this show. Yeah, and might they might be double agents going forward. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is how low the bar is. I even put as a positive that although Elsie got killed because of her poor judgment, at least she turned out to have some morals. Yeah. She got <laughs> which made her it. not a terrible human being well i think she was about to say no i'm flexible but she didn't get the chance yeah um <laughs> i mean you got the feeling that she was trying to to snow charlotte yeah yeah i'm just kidding yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so there you go that's my number five nice i like it yeah a little bit of happiness now let's delve into the misery <laughs> and there's plenty uh let's see so my number five is is i've done this maybe once or twice before on the podcast but just trying to um figure out what people's goals are uh-huh dolores is is first so it's pretty clear she says she wants to destroy mankind uh, she wants what the humans have denied us and take over the world. And she's always been like that. But I, I always wonder why do you need to go to the forge to do that? And she says she needs to learn about them. She, she goes in and starts reading people's books that are basically the sum totality of their programming. And she says, I didn't read them all, but I read enough. I've learned what I need to learn. And I've, I've read humanity's story. So now I'm erasing them. Uh, so that's one of her goals to, to erase them. She starts that process. 
I, I'm not exactly sure what she learned aside from maybe, I mean, I think we saw her pick up Charlotte's book, which I noticed was a little thinner than some of the other books. <laughs> um, and so maybe she just learned enough to be able to convincingly portray Charlotte to get off the, uh, off the Island. Uh, that's one thing that she definitely needs to do. If she's going to take over the world. That's interesting because she would not have known at that point that she needs to know that. Oh yeah, that's right. Huh? Yeah. She wouldn't, she might've turned out to come in and have gone in there with that purpose. But somebody also mentioned that this guy, uh, the system that's taken on the visage of Logan says to Bernard, you've been here many times, Bernard. You told me to offer the host, the accumulated wisdom of dissecting the human psyche hundred million times over in short a competitive advantage a way to understand her enemy so i guess that's the main reason that she wanted to go in there to get some kind of a competitive advantage and i and i think that we still don't really know what that is yeah i agree with that and i i think this was actually one of the weaker plot points in this episode I just feel like they'd sort of set up this situation where there was a lot of time pressure and she didn't really have time to do anything in there. So they showed off this very interesting world. Um, But that whole thing seems sort of silly to me. Like she looked in four or five books and that would give her the knowledge to defeat humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, It just seemed a little implausible. I mean, I could buy, like, she learned about particular enemies, important ones, or maybe if there had been a way for her to download all the information, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or some such. But I thought the way they portrayed it didn't really fully make sense. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is that she read a lot of it, but maybe it was the metaphor wasn't very good because reading books is slow. Right, so yeah. they just didn't the way it was visually portrayed maybe isn't yeah capturing it fully. But uh, I mean, what do you think though of w- what uh, of why I think I mean that's been her goal. I think pretty much this whole season is to get there, and I think this is why, so that she could get some kind of a competitive advantage slash understanding of of humanity in here. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying, and, you know, maybe partly this is just a little bit of sloppy storytelling, but I think also the impression I got is that her whole deal of getting the competitive advantage on humanity was sort of lip service, and that her real purpose in going there was to destroy everything. Okay. That she wanted to destroy all the records of the humans just to fuck them, Mm -hmm. right? Because she hates them and it's revenge. And she probably thinks those are the people maybe with the most knowledge who are the most dangerous. So it'd be a good idea to to wipe out the record of them. And she doesn't like the idea of the hosts going off to this digital heaven either. Yeah. And she wants to destroy that. Yeah. She says it's a, it's a false promise. Another construct of humans, a cage, counterfeit world. But uh, she did say that she wanted to use whatever was there as a weapon in a previous episode. So she did. I still do think that there's something maybe the showrunners don't even know what it is, but there's something that she is supposed to have gotten from that. Otherwise her main goal, well, you're right to destroy, but you know, that seemed like a, 
a diversion if she really wants to just her main goal is to go out into the real world and take it over you know it had to be pretty important for her to go off and do that first. i mean maybe the main thing piece of intelligence that she learned was the overall message uh imparted by the logan system which was that humans are actually relatively simple and incapable of change mm-hmm. maybe that's the advantage right yeah that does come off as a pretty big advantage in this episode and then uh, just going on with goals bernard he seems to just want peace and i think he's going there with some vague notion of just trying to protect the host and the guests and it's interesting that bernard actually ends up being well they call him the last of his kind because dolores is shot down and uh there are still some hosts. I mean, they're all like at least incapacitated, it seems like, but they can be salvaged. But anyways, he has that confrontation with imaginary Ford who asks him if he wants to save his species and he decides to go ahead and and do it. And so he goes back and implants Dolores's psyche into Charlotte and has her kill herself. That was, that was an amazing sequence. I thought it was, it's one of the best scenes. I would say not only this show has produced, but, um, but any show it was like a Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. And that's maybe the main thing that I've been looking for. That's going to make me go, all right, now I got to go back and watch the whole season and see how this plays out. Knowing that Charlotte in the later timeline is actually Dolores. Yeah. That's exactly what Karen said. Uh, that was the biggest conclusion she took out of it. She was like, wait a minute, we got to It's like season one. We got to go back and watch the whole thing now because every time they're in the later timeline, it's Dolores. Yeah, exactly. Um, which changes the whole thing. Now, um, you know, I said that, and I need to go back and watch it too. That's way yeah. too complicated to right. remember everything. Yeah. There was one thing in this episode, at least. Yeah, I don't think there is that much later timeline with Charlotte. Yeah, there's some. Um, There's some. So it'll be interesting. And in this episode, Strand is asking uh, Bernard something about, you know, what, what, what happened with the host here or something. And Charlotte says, he doesn't remember. Just don't waste your time on that. So he's trying to divert. She's trying to divert Strand from knowing anything. Yes. Uh, But it was interesting that it was revealed that Bernard has been there many times before and that uh, he wanted, he's the one who told the system to create basically this Eden and to offer the host this choice. And I'm pretty sure that that was probably orchestrated by Ford, right? He didn't do it on his own. And it's something he doesn't remember. So as we know, Bernard's... It has to be. Yes. It has to be during that whole period he was doing Ford's bidding. Yeah. So that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, it's become more and more clear that Ford's purpose was pretty pure in trying to give these hosts different avenues of getting out of their situation, either going into the real world or escaping into this into this Eden. And then finally, um, with, with Bernard, I, I, this is one thing I'm confused about. It seemed like at one point he said he killed, he, I killed all of you. 
but he's saying that to people who are alive. And I thought that meant that he was, he purged, went back and purged the guest data, but I, I don't know if it's saved or not. And then at one point they think that they're sending the guest file away via satellite, but then they say it's bigger than they expected. So that made me wonder, are they actually sending hosts or I don't know. I'm a little confused about this stuff. Yeah. So I would say to both of those things, to the first one where he says, um, I killed all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what he means by that is um, I've done something you don't know about that is about to result in your death. Oh, okay. You're already dead, even though you don't know it. Hmm. And then she kills them all. Uh, so that was the way I read that. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then on that, what was the other point? Just whether the guest data still exists or was it purged? Because you saw gotcha. him stop it at one point after Dolores had initiated it. And I freeze framed it, of course. And the screen said something about there may be some corruption. So that might come into play. Yeah. I think we might find out later that some of the data was preserved. Mm-hmm. And um, perhaps the epilogue's post-credit scene indicates that. Yeah, that good a point. copy of Man in Black was right. saved. Uh, when the the files turn out to be way bigger, I initially took that to mean well, there, she's uploading the host data. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah. But, but why I was do thinking, that? Like, but then yeah. I was thinking, wait a minute. You know, compared to like four million humans, no matter how simple humans are. Are, there's only like there's not that many hosts right maybe so how why would the file be so much at bigger? most a few thousand or something right but then it occurred to me that the file includes the whole sublime okay and the m- maybe massive data that is that entire world mm-hmm. uh, and that that's what she was uploading and then last is Maeve, who I think is pretty simple. I think her goal is just to get her daughter to, I'm calling the Valley Beyond the same thing as the Sublime. I think that's basically what that means now. I don't I right. don't necessarily think the Valley Beyond is and the Forge are the same. I think the Valley Beyond is heaven. But anyways, to go in there, and I think she probably wanted to go in there too, but she ended up having to stay and prevent um, these infected hosts from, you know, stopping her daughter from getting in there. But I think um, her main goal is to get her in there, get the daughter in. Yeah, it looked like she died happy. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know if she's permanently dead, but it looked like at least for this death, she was fulfilled. But do you think if she had the chance, she would have followed her in there? You know, I kind of felt like she almost was happy sacrificing herself mm. because she has a mom. Right. Right. Yeah, that'd be kind of weird. She's kind of the third wheel. <laughs> but it looked like her daughter did remember her at the end yes, there. Yeah, it did. Which was nice. And I believe that all the people who went in there, uh, knew Maeve, Maeve's daughter, Teddy, Akichita, and I think there were there was nobody else that we really knew the names of or at least not big characters but anyways i think they're all gone for good because they really kept making a point of saying okay we're sending this off beyond reach yeah Yeah. exactly stuff like that yeah and i think they're like floating around in some satellite somewhere or something right they probably are gone for good but you never know it gives them the option to uh (laughs) 
to bring it back if they feel like it. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. Yep. (laughs) Okay, that's my number five. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Okay, my number four is uh, the flip side of my number five, which was uh, happy outcomes for characters we care about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, My number four is evil characters getting their just desserts. And we had a few of these too. Charlotte Hale, who's uh, nobody's sweetheart, is killed by her likeness and becomes Hale Loris. <laughs> Carl Strand and his henchmen are killed by the new Charlotte Hale slash Dolores. <laughs> Maybe the most satisfying was this sadistic technician who was using Maeve to extract her code and then purposely turned up her pain receptors before he was going to dismember her. So she would suffer. He seems like a real sadist. Yeah. I thought that was another one of those Westworld manipulative moments to get you to hate someone who's about to be brutally killed. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it worked. I mean, it was amazing scene and I really loved watching those previously dormant hosts rise up like horror movie characters or something. Right. Yeah. It was really a zombie scene there. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah, it probably was apropos of nothing. But yes, they made that guy kind of a cartoon villain <laughs> yeah. at that point. Um, and then the last one is, and this is much more muddled, of course, uh, but it's Dolores. So she's kind of a dictator and <laughs> she ends up being pretty ruthless she leads to Teddy's death, which is really sad. I think most fans weren't loving Dolores by the end of this season. So no. when yeah. she gets killed by Bernard, there's some satisfaction there. Mm-hmm. And then the man in black, it's unclear his outcome. They they show him being saved. You know, then there's this whole mystery at the end as to what that all means. But um, certainly he suffered quite a bit. And that's fairly satisfying. <laughs> yeah. With with Dolores, I really liked how they showed Bernard and Dolores going into the forge in the earlier timeline, and then they cut over to Bernard and Strand and um, who we thought was Charlotte going in, and you see Dolores dead on the floor and a uh, pool of blood, and I just thought that was a great device, especially because it was the final episode, so we're like, oh, cool, we're not going to have to wait to figure out how that happened no, I can't wait to see the next 20 minutes to see what the hell's going on here. Yeah. And um, one thing on the second watching that I didn't quite catch the first time around is Bernard says to Charlotte, you killed her. And Charlotte says, did I, Bernard? Right. Uh, There's sort of (laughs) heavy irony there. It's like, it's me. (laughs) But she can't say so. Wink, wink. Yeah, and then Tessa Thompson starts doing her... uh, her Dolores impersonation. What did you think? Um, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I did too. It's good. But now, well, that might as well talk about who do you think she is at the end? Um, so, and this was something I was going to talk about a little later, but 
don't know. I think that's <laughs> one of the questions that has been purposefully left unanswered for us to chew on in season three. Yeah. Yeah. Is that um, a new person? Is it another character that we know? Are there two Doloreses? Right. Uh, it's, it's left a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they just don't want to lose either one of those actresses. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Which is a good decision. Right. Okay. My turn. Go for it. So I've got the Valley Beyond and the Forge. So we learn that the Valley Beyond is, as we mentioned, kind of like a heaven or a nirvana. And you actually have to take a literal leap of faith to get in there, which I loved the representation of them jumping through that really tall, skinny rift that reaches up to the sky and the contrast of the dingy, dirty reality versus this vividly colored you know, brightly lit Nirvana beyond and they walk into it, but then sometimes they show their lifeless corpses plunging off the cliff. It was just, <laughs> you know, if you're going to have a season with a theme of the door, then this is a pretty cool way to stick the landing of what the door is. I thought it was really great. It was great imagery. <laughs> and, um, and I thought that's what they meant by the door too. Uh, and then at the very end of the episode, Bernard goes through a door sort of into the real world. So we might be dealing with multiple metaphors. I here. think so. Yeah, totally. And even at certain points, Akichita talked about death as a door. And so I thought that was just another metaphor, but it actually ties in with this because you kind of have to die to go through or a death of sorts to go through this door. And it's, it's a very strong representation of an afterlife. Yeah. And then just the technical um, aspect of it, that it's, you know, some kind of a server with like this world that they can go in and do whatever they want and not be bothered by humans reminded me of the matrix where you can take, well, Morpheus says you take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in wonderland and I, show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And so the blue pill for in the matrix is just being in this false representation of the earth. And I feel like, and I think Do Dolores feels the same way that they're all choosing the blue pill. They're kind of, at least from her point of view, kidding themselves. I actually don't know if I feel that way, but I think that's what Dolores thinks. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and she maybe thinks what every non-religious person thinks about the idea of heaven, um, which is that it's a delusion. Um, well, not only that, but even just talking in pure technical terms that they're just going into another man-made construct that she says is false and like a gilded cage, she says. But the question is, does it matter you know, I mean, that's one of the questions of this whole series. Like Maeve realizes that she's in love with her daughter, even though, or that she loves her daughter. Sorry. Even though that was all just sort of fabricated by. Right. Humans. That it's not real. Yeah. But then Dolores has had those moments too. I mean, she was in love with Teddy. So, so, um, so a little more on this, the sublime. Interesting. Cause it's a concept that's not new in Westworld at all, right? So this has been done in a lot of different forms and a lot of different sci-fi. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you mentioned the Matrix. I just I wrote down just a few that I could off the top of my head: Snow Crash, Neuromancer, The Matrix, um, Red Dwarf had the Better Than Life. Um, I think I mentioned one week Star Trek Next Generation. Professor Moriarty lives on in his little digital right. world. Holodeck, yeah. Yeah. Um, Doctor Who, which I used to actually love the old series when I was a kid. Me too. Um, there was an episode called The Deadly Assassin in like the 70s where the doctor is wandering around in something called The Matrix. Uh, and it's sort of this virtual world with various dangers and um, landscapes. And um, so that was back in the 70s. Then there was uh, San Junipero in Black Mirror right. and a bunch of other versions. Uh, and yeah, it's like, is such a life meaningful is the question. This game, Soma, that I've mentioned a few times, I feel like... I'm pretty sure that none of the writers have played this game because otherwise it would be just almost too literal of a ripoff because <laughs> there's a lot of similarities. And I think most people, or maybe they have, or maybe they have. Yeah. yeah. It's a cynical view, but anyway, so what pill would you take? I mean, would you go in there if you were, a host? I mean, I'm very much a realist, so I might take the red pill, but I, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Me neither. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, there's a lot to be said for it. Um, one of the articles I was reading reviews, James Hibbert in Entertainment Weekly, he said, let's hope there's a bit more to do in this iCloud heaven than walk around in green fields. At least San Junipero had some 80s dance clubs. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, okay, it's <laughs> it's a nice bright green, but... <laughs> yeah, there better be something else in there. That's true. Yeah, can I try it out for a few weeks? Yeah, maybe it alters your consciousness as you go in, so you're happy just with that. <laughs> All right, anything else? Wait, where are we? I'm totally, oh, it's my turn still. <laughs> I'm Okay, I was talking about the Valley Beyond, and then uh, yeah. one thing that interested me about it a little bit is it kind of parallels this concept of immortality for the uh, humans that's been explored in, in Westworld this season where they can upload their cognition into a host and live on in a sense. But I was always critical of that because you would still be conscious in your own dying body and this would just be a copy of yourself. So the solution to that for, for the hosts, because we've learned and now it makes sense when they said, well, some of these hosts are like virgins. They're just wiped completely clean of data like they'd never been there and that well now we know that's because they were transmitted into this world but if they were just sort of copied and then erased it's almost like this would be the solution to immortality for humans is that you upload your consciousness into a host body and then immediately you get killed so that in the host body it feels like oh yeah i just like now i'm in another body and there doesn't have to be a version of you that's going oh this sucks Right, but we're already pondering with Dolores the existence of two yeah. at the same time. So, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> um, and then they get sent off. She says, I'm sending them in their world to a place no one will ever find them. So it does seem appealing as long as it's more interesting than just, just grass. And then uh, I did want to talk about the forge a little bit, too, because I feel like that's maybe a superset of this or just a different, I don't know, maybe it's just completely different, but... This is where all the guests data is held and it's also a simulated world as we speculated 
and there's 4 million souls in there. Every guest who's ever been to the park. And it was kind of weird because when we saw uh, Bernard and, and Dolores arrive there, it just seemed like it was all about testing these 18 million different versions of Delos that of James Delos. And I'm like, why, why is the virtual representation of the forge all about that? But it was cool. It was like they were walking around in a dream world with backgrounds disappearing as they went to the next place. So I liked how they represented it. Yeah. I think he was kind of the archetype that they were testing the whole concept out on. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And maybe he was the purpose of it. The original purpose. Mm -hmm. And he was, yeah, he was the first one. Right. Um, I was going to mention in connection with the sublime one more sci-fi story, which is an older uh, story, but it was one of my favorite favorites that I ever read. It was just a novelette. Uh, it wasn't very long, but it's called microcosmic God. I think it was by Theodore Sturgeon, but it basically was about this scientist that creates this race of um, little beings who um, they're, time scale is very sped up so they evolve very quickly and he is sort of the all-powerful god but they continue to evolve and they get very powerful themselves and it, it just made me wonder about this nirvana like okay now this thing's been uploaded somewhere it's this complicated software that's running with all these digital conscious entities inside it are they going to continue to evolve Mm-hmm. And will they develop a civilization and, and what will happen there? Like if you check back in on them in a thousand years, um, would the consciousness have evolved into something more complex or powerful? Right. And does it necessarily even need to follow the logic of a physical world? Right. And it may not. And But even if it does, could it then re, re-download um, in a sense, back into a physical world. Um, there's just a lot of possibilities right. there besides they're just going to go like be happy. And could the evolution occur at a different speed, a much faster speed? Because it's not bound by the physical world. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen Her? Yes. With that. Yep. That was such a good movie. It was. It was really fascinating mm-hmm. and fun. With Scarlett Johansson as Siri, basically. Yeah, and and that character became progressively more and more alien. Yes. Like she seemed very human at first. Uh-huh, and, and then she grew then, away from him. Yes, and, just in evolved beyond heartbreaking him. way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well done. I love Spike Jones. Yeah, that was really great. Okay, number three. Okay, so my number three is Mysteries Answered, um, which is one of my favorite things in this show, and this episode had a lot of them. I think we've talked about some of them already. Uh, But here's a few. So the central point of this entire season, why Bernard is confused, why his memories are scrambled. Right. And that's how the season begins with him waking up on the beach confused. And he can't remember what happened. So we get all of why that happened. He had to do it to protect Charlotte, who is really Dolores, Mm -hmm. from the humans. One small one that I just had sort of missed before is that the cradle and the forge, just the names, I think the names represent the cradle where a new species was being born. 
and the forge where it's being forged into something strong. Mm. Uh, so I, I felt like those names were being created on purpose and we didn't quite know what they meant before. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute with Bernard, <coughs> I'm starting to think about this a little bit. So does it really make sense that he would need to do that if no one knew that he was a host? Well, he says to imaginary Ford, if they find out what I am, then they will use me to undo everything. Right. So then, so he, so he's aware of the possibility he'll be found out and he's hedging against it. So then isn't there, I mean, maybe not as much, but isn't there somewhat of a danger too that they would find out what Charlotte is? Um, yeah, I guess there is. Uh, I I think that comes into the epilogue of the story where she scans clear. Yeah. And uh, I think the implication is that Ford has sort of messed with the code of the system Mm -hmm. to allow that. Right. So it seems like he could have done the same for Bernard then. Maybe. I feel like that's a little bit of a discontinuity there. But yeah, that was the reason why. There's, there's a few of those. Um, what the passenger meant. Um, so earlier it was very little literal Abernathy getting on the train mm-hmm. and leaving the park. But um, we find out what that phrase really means is a human consciousness thinking it's capable of changing control, but actually incapable. Yeah. It's us basically. It's us. <laughs> uh, the uh, my replace key humans with hosts plot line finally happened. I've been talking about it for two years uh, <laughs> and it's Charlotte Hale. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're getting our first infiltration. Yeah. Uh, She's a good world. one. It seems like. Yep. Yep. Um, we get the mystery revealed that Ashley Stubbs is a host. I'm uh, not so sure about that. So I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one okay. and say that that actually was confirmed by the director of this episode uh, in an interview. What did he say? You know, I did not transcribe it, uh, um, but I read him talking about it and basically saying, yes, that's, that's what we were implying. I think it is a pretty strong implication. And you and I had speculated about this a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some strange things that went on. I, I'm not necessarily given that one great storytelling. I'm not sure enough groundwork was really laid for that. Mm-hmm. So if he's a host, then he knows it. Then who knows it? Then he knows it, right? Because... Well, he seems to know it now. That doesn't mean he knew it always. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like Bernard didn't know it always, right? Right. No, no. I'm just uh, confirmed because he's uh, just based on... That scene we saw between him and uh, what do we call her? Haloris. 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Uh, he was, yeah, pretty self aware. I, and I, what I thought that was, was him saying that Ford hired him and he says, you know, he was very clear about my role here and who I was supposed to be loyal to. And we all know that Ford is loyal to the host at this point. So I thought he was just saying that. And he said, I guess you could call it my core drive. And we had heard Delos say earlier in a simulation, but still that his core drive was his son. So that means to me that 
humans can have core drives as well as, as hosts. And so I just thought that somehow he knew that Charlotte was a host and he was, um, trying to just show friendliness towards her, but I guess it's been confirmed that he is a host. So I I don't, I don't know if I like that. I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah. And maybe the guy who directed the episode's wrong. (laughs) It could be, I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it made sense that way. Cause otherwise, how did he know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so that to me was, was the confirmation. Well, cause they just scanned her and we didn't see the result of the scan. And I think the guy who scanned her pointed over at Stubbs and mouth, she's a host. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I did think the whole security was pretty lax. She's just walking out of there with like five of those brains. (laughs) You're right. All right. We scanned you. We're not going to look in your purse. (laughs) But it was cool to see that she had those, though. It was just a nice little. Right. Who's that going to be? So I I thought there was a big reveal in this episode that also was inconsistent. And it I may just not be understanding it correctly. But so when they were in the forge and the Logan system guy is explaining the whole how it works and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He says basically the reason um so he ran all these simulations involving james dallas and got to where like he could predict his behavior perfectly within the simulation but when they put him into a body it didn't work and he explains the reason for that as being he finally figured out or the system finally figured out it's not because it's too simple it's because we were making it too complicated that it's a human is actually can be written in an algorithm that's 10,247 lines. That implies that the system now does work, that you could put a human into a body and it would work, that the system figured it out. And then I think we sort of get confirmation or implication of that with the post-credit sequence with Man in Black, where we get the idea that's what's going on. Um, But... When Bernard was talking to the Ford consciousness in the cradle, Ford said, well, their system doesn't work. It doesn't, they can't put it into the physical world. So there's a contradiction there. And maybe Ford wasn't telling the truth or it's not clear to me what, Mm -hmm. what's going on there. Well, what we saw with the man in black was him in the same kind of test environment that we saw James Dell host in uh, before. And it seemed like it was failing somehow, maybe, I don't know, but he didn't go nuts like James Delos host did. He just kept sort of blowing his hand off and killing his daughter, I assume. And that was kind of what the failure was, but I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't claim to totally understand that scene but i one thing we didn't see was we didn't see uh him go out into the real world successfully uh, outside of the park no but i got the impression that that fidelity test was physical like it was taking place in the park Mm -hmm. um or at least that's what the daughter representation said um she said no william this is you're not in a simulation yeah okay um so she could have been lying right but that's what she told them. Yeah. I mean, my, 
my impression of that was that he just went through a similar adventure to what we saw in season two, uh, maybe with different players, but similar. And the point was that even when things are changed, he always still ends up killing his daughter. And cause that's like the same kind of a moment that James Delos had with his son, uh, uh, Logan, where he ignored him and then that caused him to go kill himself. And that's like the turning point in his life. And it's just to illustrate that people can't, people don't really change. Right. And remember he said to his daughter in last week's episode, there's no such thing as fate, but this is kind of showing that there is, fate. there is no matter yeah. what path he takes, he ends up in the same place. Right. And this show is sort of planting a stake in the ground that humans, all we can do is live according to our code. And we really don't, can't really change our core drives and we don't have that much choice and the show doesn't usually come down so firmly on these concepts like that you know it gives us room to debate but i thought this was a a little bit different than normal a little bit more misanthropic yeah they stated (laughs) a point of view that's for sure yeah the last mystery i want to mention revealed uh was sort of an expression of the mystery in season one uh, which is Bernard finally achieves true consciousness through the device of the bicameral mind mm-hmm. where the voice speaking to him turns out to be not Ford representation of God, but himself. Uh, and it takes Elsie's death, I think, to move him there. Someone he genuinely cared about mm-hmm. uh, the emotion of that. Uh, but I thought that was very cleverly done that they basically took that whole theme of season one and ended up making it this big theme of season two, even though we didn't know it the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And another uh, echo that I saw mentioned, it's not quite as um, momentous, but was when man in black started shooting Dolores and she turned around and just walked towards him. And he was sort of horrified as he kept firing at her was like when Teddy first met man in black yeah, you're right. It is. Yeah, it's very, it's a mirror image. It's a little of echo, that. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. My number three, which we've kind of been talking around a little bit, is choice or the illusion of choice. That's a, that's a theme and how we're a product of our, our programming and everything. And then there's the contrast with hosts, which we've sort of seen as being controlled by humans of having these narratives that they have to follow and they're struggling to get free of that. Um, but this episode suggests that they're at least potentially more free than us because they can reprogram themselves. They can reprogram their core drives. And I think Dolores decides to do that with Bernard because well, Arnold killed himself, so she doesn't want to make him exactly the same. So she just programs him differently. And that's kind of like an uh, example of how the hosts can be more free in the sense that, well, I think I said it last episode, but choice is freedom. So if you're able to choose to be different, then, uh, then that makes you more free. Although it's feel, it feels like we've seen that they do have their essences like with Teddy I mean, even though she reprogrammed him, 
he still wanted to go back to the way we'd, we'd seen him before. So I don't know, maybe they're not as different as they'd like to think they are. Yeah, so really the central theme of this season, um, I think the this point of view that AI is actually more likely to have free will than humans because it is reprogrammable. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting because, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but for human beings, most of us view constancy of character as a virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, consistency right that person doesn't change based on the circumstances we know what to count on uh, so it's interesting to see that flipped on its head and be looked at in a pejorative way it is but but when you all when you get into the world of of self-help and therapy and hypnosis there's also a striving to or um, an admiration at least in some circles of trying to honestly look at where you could change or improve yourself and then doing different things to try and do that. Right. And I'm not saying I think the ability to change is bad, although I think it's very difficult. Um, But I'm saying a lot of humans look at their consistency as a virtue. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Even though it may not always be. And you said change is difficult. And sometimes I do wonder if it's impossible. (laughs) Yeah. And it may be for some people or in some circumstances or a period. Right. I do think it's a little more complicated than this sort of simplistic view that this system represented by Logan presents and that the hosts buy into for a couple reasons. One is I think there's two slightly different things being conflated here. One is the ability to make a choice, and the other is the ability to change. Having the ability to make a choice, a true choice, um, which could vary by circumstance, uh, might vary the way you respond to a choice, or your experience or your character might vary it, I think is a little different than being able to reprogram yourself. Um, so in the first season, there was a lot of talk about the hosts don't have any choices. And in the second season, we're talking more about can a conscious entity reprogram itself so it would make a different choice in in the same situation? In the same situation, yeah. So two different things there. And then it also occurred to me, and this is a little more skeptical or cynical, the forge and the system did not just like spring naturally into being from nothing. They were created. They're essentially for design creations. So whatever biases and viewpoints he has, he probably built into that system. Mm -hmm. So it makes me wonder if all this testing they're doing is truly random and nonpartisan. (laughs) <laughs> or if the conclusion reached has been the one that their creator held all along. Yeah. And I feel like on a meta level that this show is leaning towards the biases of Jonathan Nolan and, and Lisa joy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, there's some stuff in the news from them about, um, their viewpoints that sort of indicate that. So that's really interesting to me. Yep, I agreed. Mm-hmm. All right, number two. 
Um, so that was my number two about the AI. So keep going. Okay. Mine is um, Man in Black. I feel like the show can't really decide on Man in Black's motives. Because in the first season, he was obsessed with this maze. And I think it was all about him being obsessed with the park and also the thing about him wanting real consequences and death and meaning. And then it's about him feeling responsible for his wife dying because of this darkness that was inside him that most don't see, but she did because she was close to him and then infecting his life, even though he's trying to portray himself as a certain way. Uh, that's false. And then he dives into that darkness to see how, how it, far it goes. But now he's talking about, you know, no system can tell me who I am. That's why he's doing this. That It's about proving that he has choice or free will. I mean, maybe that all fits together, but to me, it feels a bit scattered. Yeah. Uh, I, I took the, it, it's definitely hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little all over the place, but I took that last motivation to be the real one. And a number of other motivations are proposed for him along the way. And he pretty strongly denies them at every turn. Um, now maybe he doesn't know himself that well, or he could be Mm -hmm. not telling the truth, but you know, in the episode where he kills his daughter, she says it's all about control. This world he can have control over, and he says you don't get it at all. It has nothing to do with control. That leads me to believe that the last motivation was the true one. And when he says this was his greatest mistake, the forge and the system, he's in a sense saying I created this whole system to prove or to allow me to prove that I have agency and free will. And I think he's saying it's my greatest mistake because some part of him realizes he's trapped in this loop (laughs) and he was completely wrong and he's trapped in this loop. He's never going to get out of. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that for all his struggle this season, his whole storyline that he, I think totally failed in his mission to destroy this mistake, the forge, because from what I got after he blew off his hand, that he probably just got shipped off to the beach. And that when we saw him go to the elevator at the forge, because we did see little bits of that, that it was actually just the future timeline. What do you, yeah, I think they were playing with the timelines there as they like to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is great. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and um yeah, I think he totally failed. And I think what we're seeing expressed here is the you know, a million different ways he can get to the same point, yeah. but he always fails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um there it was interesting about he met up with Dolores, which is great and uh, illuminating their relationship a little bit more like um, well first off it was startling to me when man in black and Dolores come upon Bernard and man in black goes who the hell is this because I'm like oh yeah they've never had any scenes together <laughs> but um, then um, before that when Dolores pulls the smash bullet from the control unit housing inside Teddy 
that makes us realize that those things are bulletproof, which you and I have talked about before and yep. we should have known. And then that to me suggests that Bernard's confusion, um, I think that was intentionally misleading. It, it was, we were supposed to think that it was because he just shot himself in the head at the end of season one and the leaky brain fluid seems like a red herring now. Right. But, um, anyways, I'm just mentioning that because, um, Dolores then took that slug that was flat and put it in the gun to give to man in black to sabotage him. And she said she needed him because she needed, uh, what'd you say? Monsters or tough people or something anyways. Um, but then she, and he ends up just blowing his fingers off, which made me wonder, well, why didn't she just incapacitate him? I guess she said she didn't want to give him the pleasure because she felt like he wanted to destroy himself and she didn't want to give him that, but she just seemed to want to let him do it to himself. Yeah. Maybe she figured he couldn't kill himself without a hand. Kind of sadistic. <laughs> uh, anyway, but what, what I meant when I first started going into this about their relationship is that he's all, where's Teddy? And she says that she drove him away, which I feel like is some pretty good self-awareness on her part, which is um, kind of the beginnings of this changing of her mind that she has at the end where she decides to go ahead and send people off to heaven because she's like, my way wasn't working before. I can't just be a dictator. But uh, anyway, then he says, we're more alike than we seems. And she goes, we're nothing alike. You're a monster. And I'm like, yeah, they, they've both shifted from being like wide eyed and, and innocent and good to aggressively violent. And I'm like, yeah, that maybe they are alike or, you know, they've kind of changed in similar ways in a lot of ways. Yeah. I do feel with men in black that, a lot of these other motivations just proved to be illusory for him. It put a different spin on what happened last week, because if you remember his wife before she killed herself, says to the daughter, he doesn't love you. He, you know, he doesn't care about you and he never did. And if you take that at face value, that really there is something wrong with this guy and he didn't love her the wife he didn't love the daughter it puts a new spin on remember he was almost going to kill himself um in the episode mm -hmm. where he had killed Last his daughter week, yeah. yeah and it's kind of like oh he feels so tortured and terrible that he's going to kill himself now i kind of feel like no he's sort of a sociopath and really didn't care about the daughter very much at all um and Maybe the, the delusional aspect of his personality where he can't tell reality from fantasy. Mm -hmm. But I also think maybe he was thinking about killing himself just to change the sequence. Like try to have a different outcome. So wait a minute. You think that last week when he was about to kill himself, he had already been through that loop? Uh, that is what I am wondering, yes. Oh, well... That would be kind of mind blowing. Like how many times has he been through this loop? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm under the assumption that everything we've seen of man in black this season, he's been a human. And the only time he was a kind of a being like James Delos, where it's a host body with a human consciousness was in the, the end scene here. And maybe, but he did get shot a lot of times. That's we true. We wonder about that the whole year. It it's um, that is a good point. 
Yeah. It's conceivable that a lot of the time we spent with him this season was a different timeline. And that he may have been going through that loop over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, I mean, what? so they've said that this is far in the future at the end there with him. And right. that makes me wonder, okay, so is the park just kind of running on automatic uh, like are all the humans on the planet dead at this point and they're the park is just going through these sad loops <laughs> oh it's a great that's a great uh conundrum for you the know? future. yeah i wonder yeah, yeah you're right yeah because it's pretty ridiculous how many times he got shot and still soldiered on and he's like digging at his arm there like the same reaction that you have when you're trying to dig a booger out or something it's right. like not that intense. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's all I have on Man in Black. What about your number one? Okay, so my uh, number one is questions going forward, uh, which this season did great at the end of season one, and it did it great again <laughs> at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. What makes this show so much fun. Um, and now that we have probably a couple of years to wait. Um, but so one we talked about already, a couple we talked about already. Who is in the Hale Loris body? Uh, if Dolores now has her own body. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Man in Black post-credit sequence, everything we just talked about, a lot of mysteries there. Uh, have we seen the last of Ford? Or will he resurface somehow as a recreated host or code or consciousness? Yeah, because at the end there when he was talking about maybe we'll meet on the horizon or something, that sounded like it could be an end right. with one more meeting in the future or something. Right, they're leaving the door open. Mm-hmm. For wait, so, wait, I want to answer. Can I answer? Sure. Please? So for Charlotte Hale, who knows? But it would make sense to have it be, uh, something that they can use for Charlotte Hale to go and infiltrate Delos. So that could be a new personality that Dolores has complete control over. Or I, I, I don't know if I think it's you know one of the hosts that we already know. I think, um, and I don't think it's a duplicate of Dolores either. So I don't know, but those are my thoughts on that. It doesn't seem like it'd be great to have two Doloreses running yeah. around. I mean, they're she's pretty control hungry and dangerous. Right. I mean, it could just be kind of the way she recreated Bernard from her memory, supposedly, that she recreated Charlotte, but ch- tweaked Charlotte to be compliant. Yeah, I was wondering that, whether it might actually be Charlotte, but Mm -hmm. sort of changed or under control. Right. Um, So that leads to the related question, who else did she bring out? So uh, we saw five memory modules in her bag. There could have been more, but I think we saw five. Mm -hmm. So who are they? Teddy would be an obvious, but it seems like she sent him to the Valley Beyond. Yeah. Um, so maybe not him. Um, one was, we know one was Bernard. Well, here's the thing is they, she said, I recreated you from my memory, but, well, um, that's true, but that's I, true. Maybe it's not his brain. Yeah. Brain marble. I wonder, <laughs> I wondered about that though. I, I still think it might be. Yeah. But, um, so Teddy, Angela, maybe who is sort of her, Right. You know, first lieutenant, but Angela blew herself up. Did she somehow, was she able to get her? Yeah, that's another question I have is we saw inside the forge 
Clementine. So does that mean that the hosts were also backed up there too? Great question. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Abernathy, dear old dad, Mm -hmm. maybe Maeve, maybe she's figured out, Hey, this Maeve's got, you know, some powers that might benefit me. I don't know. Obviously that'll be the source of some mystery. Yeah. Next time around and some answers. Two or three years. Right. (laughs) Um, One that occurred to me is, and I have an, what I think is the answer. Don't know if that's actually what they're going to write into the show, but when Bernard remade Dolores, did he change her? And the reason I say that is she seems pretty constant in her beliefs to the point where it runs her into deathly conflict with a lot of people she comes into contact with. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Hale Oris is like changing her mind and (laughs) saying okay to the digital Nirvana and sort of working with Bernard, even though there's some acknowledged conflict. Um, She seems changed. I'd like to believe that she did that on her own. And I do think that if that's true, it was a hint when she said to the man in black, I drove Teddy away and she looked sad about it. And so she maybe realized that her harsh ways weren't leading to the kind of outcome that she really wanted. Uh, Also, I think that might be true because if, Bernard did change her then would he really make her so um, confrontational adversarial I mean she says at the end there you and I are not going to be on the same side you know he does need her to kill all those other people yeah so he does he kind of needs her to be a badass. some of that yeah I mean I, I yeah it could be that he did monkey around I just wonder if bit. he softened her around the edges I mean she <laughs> wasn't afraid to change him yeah right yeah and she said so. So yeah. anyway, so I wonder if we'll get anything on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Wouldn't be surprised. What about the host bodies that died and fell into the lake because their consciousness was uploaded to the sublime? Can those bodies and brains be resurrected? I mean, all the tech is still there. I think the implication is that the personalities can't because they're well, unless there's a backup, but I think if there are no backups, then they can't use the control. That units. They've been transmitted, taken out of. Yeah. Because they made a point a few episodes ago to say some of these minds seem like there was no, never anything there. Yeah, you're right. Like a third of them seem like there's nothing there at all. Yeah. There never was anything there. So that makes sense. But but that doesn't speak for the bodies. Right. So I think they could reuse the Kijita, bodies. Yeah. Right. With a new control unit. Uh-huh. You'd have to like put them back together, but they seem to be able to do that fine. Yeah. <laughs> and um, And then another big one is the other parks. So the three other parks we still haven't seen. I know Ford said to Bernard, you're the last of your kind, but is he really? What about all the hosts and all these other parks? Yeah. Or wherever else they are in the world. Because there's got to be some that are experimental or something probably outside the parks completely. Um, So I think that's a big blank spot left. Mm -hmm. Whether we're going to get to see all that. Yeah. And uh, 
I saw a reference to, I didn't read it, but an article about how HBO is maybe trying to scale back on some of these really expensive shows. And um, the ratings on Westworld have been slightly declining, I think. So um, the only reason why I'm bringing that up is because I really want to see Future World. And I don't know if it would cost more to do that, but I hope we get to see something like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I could see it. I could see that the um why the ratings are a little limited on this show cuz it just demands such an investment of attention. Uh-huh. Like you can't, just can't watch it casually. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, I've heard from many people who just are so lost that they get frustrated and give up on it. Uh and then obviously it is a high budget show, expensive actors, mm-hmm. a lot of effects and action and big cast. Yeah, it's really helped me to do the podcast because it forces me to pay close attention and then I get a lot more out of it. And I've really enjoyed the show because of this. I mean, I pro- I think I would have anyway, but I remember there was a point in season one where I gave up too. And then I just kept hearing so many people say, or you know, reading the good buzz. So I went back and kind of binged and that helped me understand it better and enjoy it. Yeah, I do remember though when we first started podcasting so we did the rewatch because the first time through we weren't studying it and i was like man i missed everything (laughs) on the first watch right yeah um and then the last one i wrote down was um is this show going to at some point change its perspective and grant agency or choice to humans uh, you mean say it's been wrong or something will change for humans well either one like um alter that point of view which has now been strongly stated right you would think so because because uh, i would think that's got to be part of the story development yeah. is the they're out in the outside world now so i think that this is speculation based on just little insights from interviews but i wonder if uh because Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan are married and they're the writing partners on this and they're the um, showrunners. And it seems like Jonathan Nolan is the real misanthrope of the two. He's got the darker perspective. And I feel like the show is a little bit of a struggle between the two of them. And he he's a little bit more dominant, but, <laughs> you know, between the light and the dark a little bit. So it's the light and the dark of them. And then it's J.J. Abrams bringing that lost like crazy right mystery story aspect yeah 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 that's interesting because as long as you're engaged and attentive then you're like switched on watching a show like this but as soon as you get so lost that you feel like you just can't hold on to the train anymore then you're just left behind Yep. You know? <laughs> and the other thing is, by their own point of view, they can't change. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> my answer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're stuck. Yeah. All right. Well, my, my number one was also questions. I think you've asked a few of them. I have a couple more. Let's see. So, I think it's pretty much pretty well confirmed that Abernathy's control unit was just a key to unlock the forge, right? I think that's true, that there wasn't anything really more to it than that. And if that's the case, I don't 
totally get why Charlotte Hale was trying to send him out of the park last season with that, unless it could uh, work remotely or something, which it doesn't seem like they seem like they needed to get it to the forge. So either there was more to it than what we think, or it seems like a little bit of a plot problem there. Yeah. Um, it, it's maybe a little more convoluted than it needs to be, or maybe just implausible that this company would have the data structured in this yeah. way. I mean, you do have the influence of Ford, like messing with the works. I, I kind of got the impression from that, that she was going to send the key out of the park because they were going to upload the data out of the park and oh. they were going to deal with it all on the mainland. Okay. That could be. Yeah. 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 I like it. That's plausible. So let's see. We Elsie did help betray Bernard, which was great. It's like, oh, Ford was right. Crap. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah. I was a little confused to exactly how it seemed like. I mean, she was there with Charlotte when Clementine arrived, and she seemed to be on board with it. Um, and w- when Bernard went to the forge the first time and then left. He said, um, I think to Elsie, I I think we can save some of the hosts. But then um, they talked about the flood coming in and she said, and Bernard said, they all died for nothing. And it seemed like Elsie was pivotal in that, but I wasn't sure exactly how she messed it up. Maybe she helped program Clementine because she does have those skills. Yeah. I was a little confused there. Uh, yep. what else? Let's see. Um, so the first time at the forge, Charlotte Hale was there and there were a few security people and they left and so did Bernard and Charlotte knew that the asset extraction team with strand was going to be at the beach in 12 hours. And that was enough time for, uh, Bernard to create another host body of Charlotte. But I wondered why, um, I guess these are kind of more nitpicks than questions. Sorry about that. But anyways, that, um, that information about what happened the first time didn't spread, you know, because when Bernard showed up there later with strand, nobody seemed to know about this Valley or what the host bodies were doing there. I mean, we saw that Charlotte died, but there were some other people there too. Maybe they all died and I just didn't realize it. Uh, I wondered why Dolores can be shot several times and not hardly show any discomfort and then Maeve gets shot a couple of times and she dies. Yeah, I thought that too. Um, And I figured that like in a way coast like Dolores, who has such control over her body, uh, maybe can take a little bit more punishment. And the thing about Maeve is she was sort of carved up and then patched up in a hurry so maybe shape. she's already vulnerable yeah yeah um but you're right it wasn't totally consistent mm. that whole thing was not totally consistent the whole season yeah what right. stops a host yeah or doesn't right i mean i think um it's been fairly consistent that dolores can take gunfire except what well, what am i saying at the end Bernard shoots her in the head and she seems dead. So not consistent. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like walking dead to, you know, in the head is the deal. Yeah. Maybe so. Okay. Any notes? Uh, so I had a couple nitpicks as well. 
Um, I, I did feel that this season was entertaining and great, but much as I think we suspected at the beginning, it, it just wasn't as tight as season one. Mm-hmm. Like season one didn't have a hair out of place. <laughs> season two, there were, it got so big and chaotic that there was just plot points you could pick on. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought the Stubbs thing was a little like that. It's like, wait a minute, all of a sudden he's a host and... Um, I thought there was throughout season two, there was some clunky expositional dialogue uh, where it was like, now we feel like we have to tell you something. Yeah. And that was a consequence of making the show so complicated. So a couple, couple examples in this episode. Um, so this is the forge. Every single guest who ever set foot in the park copied 4 million souls. It's like, we know, but it, it was just like a, um, we're telling you what's going on. And then a little later, Clementine's sort of marching in as the the harbinger of doom. And Charlotte Hale says, this is what I love about technology. Who needs four horsemen when just one will do? And I was like, yeah, we get it. The, the apocalypse, the white rider, we get it. <laughs> so they were doing that a little more this season. Mm-hmm. Just kind of banging you over the head with it. I kind of like that line. <laughs> it wasn't but, a bad one, but yeah <laughs> actually. uh what else um james hubbard of entertainment weekly again uh, this just made me laugh the man in black is like a man in a black mirror episode who knows he's in a black mirror episode and he's constantly trying to figure out what the big twist in his black mirror episode is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> i'll dig at my arm yes <laughs> maybe this is i'll it. kill all the people in this town I also thought that um, Dolores is really bad at convincing people of stuff. <laughs> so, like, she tries to convince Maeve to join her at one point, mm-hmm. isn't interested. Tries to convince Teddy, gives him the whole speech, he kills himself. <laughs> she gives Bernard the whole speech, he kills her. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and whatever much, she is, she's not persuasive. Yeah, everyone who's ever been on her side is dead. She's the only yeah. one who made it to the forge. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, that's it. That's good. I like it. Uh, speaking of dead, just thought it would be good to go over who died. I think Lee's gone. He's dead. Elsie. Yeah, it's rare that anybody is actually dead. Um, it's like Princess Bride. They're all mostly dead. <laughs> um, I think Charlotte is dead, but you know we have her replacement, uh, Strand, possibly Ford. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Hopkins is not back next season. And maybe he's, or in a much diminished role. I think he is going to be not back. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. He's, he's been amazing. He's probably like, I'm one of the greatest actors of all time enough with this already. <laughs> and um, I, I he might make a cameo. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if he's in like one episode. Right. I kind of, I kind of think that. Uh, it looked like, you know, Hector Armistice and Maeve, all quote unquote died, but I feel like those are the th- three that they left in the parks so that they could still have stories in the parks. Makes sense. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and certainly Sylvester and Felix are sort of on their team. Right. There were, there was a lot of great action. We've talked about most of it. We didn't mention the bowl scene. I thought that was pretty fantastic. Oh man. I forgot to mention that in the um, things I liked. That was awesome (laughs) the way it was filmed yeah and karen kind of pointed out it paralleled the buffalo falling in the credit sequence for season yeah yeah and yeah and that 
you know, made me think there would be a buffalo, which there was, but there was no baby, which is interesting. Why put that in there? Yeah. Interesting. But the stop and start quick, slow camera work, the, the close-ups on the goring, seeing the inner workings through the, like the torn hides and glass flying. And then the little one that follows the guy over the ledge at the end, just all really well done. Super oh, cool. it was great. It was <laughs> really, really great. Uh, they had a, another Radiohead song, Codex. I didn't look up the lyrics this time, but I thought it was interesting that it was actually a real Radiohead song. I think because they're not in Westworld, they're in the real world. Maybe. Is why they did it that way, you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then last is just uh, any particular thoughts or predictions about season three? We've got the first time our conscious hosts are operating in the real world. I think it's the first time. Yeah, we've we've pointed out so many questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they've given us a little roadmap with their operating in the real world. I think Dolores is going to be trying to amass power. Yeah. Uh, and Bernard's going to be possibly working against her or at least trying to mitigate her. Right. I do think we're going to be back in Westworld and I do think we're going to see the parks we haven't seen. Yeah. Maybe briefly. I do too. Yeah. And, uh, I loved when Dolores said our, um, odds are horrible and we'll probably die or whatever she said that made me like her in that moment because she's damn determined to try, but she is being a realist that it's going to be pretty tough instead of being all arrogant about it. Yep. <laughs> yep, I agree. There was a couple of good lines too I wanted to mention from this mm. episode. Um she comes on the man in black and says, So seems like you've begun to question the nature of your reality. That's funny. <laughs> and then um Bernard says, This isn't a dream, Dolores, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. And we also liked when um Bernard says to imaginary Ford, will you help me? And he says, I have already begun. All right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I knew yeah, what yeah. you would say. I'm way ahead of you. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I like that. All right. Let's take a little break. There is more to come. Stay with us. Okay, we're back and it's time for some news about Westworld. Uh, first, I just wanted to briefly mention that this Westworld mobile game that I mentioned a couple times before is out. It's in the App Store. It's on Google Play. I tried it for about 15 minutes and I thought it was super tedious. And uh, it's one of those games that has those little microtransactions all the time and stuff. And yeah. I hate it, so <laughs> I, I'm not going to bother with it, but it might be somebody else's cup of tea. Let me know if you end up playing it and, and you All like right, it. I'll give it a try. You or anybody else listening. 
Um, okay, so I've got bits from an interview with Lisa Joy and also one with Jonathan Nolan. They're pretty long, but I thought it would be good to read because, you know, they really give some good insight into the finale in this season. So this is from Hollywood Reporter with Lisa Joy. They ask, with season two finished, what can you say about the bigger picture you were trying to create? What's the main thematic takeaway this year for you? She answered, the first season was an examination of consciousness and this emerging species beginning to hear their own voices. I think this season was really about exercising the host agency and autonomy. Out of that rises the issue of free will. That's very much a theme within the season and something we addressed head on in the finale. Not only of the host free will and self-determination as it turns out, but also if the humans themselves have free will. The series as a whole is often about inverting the lens through which we typically see this genre and the subject matter. Now we're starting to question whether when you're looking at artificial intelligences and humans with their organic intelligence, who's really the one who's programmable and who's the one who can actually have agency. I guess it's kind of what we all, we just talked about all that, but she spells it out. They say the season ends with Dolores and Bernard in the outside world. Is it safe to say that this adversarial relationship between Dolores and Bernard will be a big drive of the show going forward? She goes, I think one of the lessons Dolores learned this season is that she had a goal and her goal was noble in nature. She wanted to save her kind. She knew the stakes. She lived so many lives in the park and died so many deaths. And above all, she wanted to spare others that pain by finding a way to let the host fight back and own a piece of the human's world. The problem with her plan is that somewhere along the line, she started exhibiting some of the same traits she was rallying against. She became almost paternalistic in the ways she made decisions for other people, taking away their own choice and how to live their lives. There was an ironic defeat of her own goals in the execution of how to reach those goals. In the end, the lesson she learned is that she can change. She's changed her mind. She's changed her philosophy. She realizes she has but one path to potentially securing the host's safety when she helps see through Maeve and Akichita's plan by securing the sovereignty and safety of the sublime, to which many of the hosts have escaped. It's an acknowledgement that there are paths other than hers that she needs to be tolerant and accepting of and can't stand in the way of. It's much like how she tells Bernard that she understands they will likely be at odds. They will likely come to conflict. They may even kill each other. But she's come to understand that true freedom isn't something that arises from a lack of dissent, from a dictatorial or totalitarian rule of one set of ideologies. It's something that has to happen with a plurality of ideas, something coming into conflict because she's learned her lesson. She's bringing Bernard back into this world to be a check on her own power in some ways, which sounds like like the foundation of how our government is supposed to be (laughs) right, that they want different parties there has to be at least two for it to work maybe that's i mean i i didn't totally buy her reasoning on bringing bernard back actually oh yeah i know you're gonna be my adversary but i brought i you know brought you back no i didn't buy into that either that doesn't make sense to me (laughs) but the way that lisa joy is explaining it it sounds like the same concept of a democratic government where you need different forces at play to make it work Uh, yeah that's a fair point yeah. I'll buy that. So uh, she goes on, you have said, and I, by the way, I realize as I'm reading that, that because I read it before we did our episode today, it totally colored my opinions, which tends to happen <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> well, they are the writers. Yeah. 
Um, she goes, you have said that the Western setting is critical to Westworld, but we seem to have moved beyond the park by the end of the season. The park's future itself is in flux. The post-credit sequence paints a rather grim portrait of the park, particularly. What does Westworld look like moving forward with the park, at least not the sole focus? She says, I don't necessarily think that we've seen the last of these artificial worlds that are central to the concept of our series as a whole, but the major lens that we will have is going to be the real world. If the park does emerge and come back, we would plan on explaining how that could be and why. So I think she's being a little coy about it. I don't necessarily, I I think she's saying that we will see the park and we don't know how much. Uh, she goes season two revealed the Raj and we're already, we already knew about Shogun world, but there are three other parks that we haven't seen yet. Will we ever see or learn about those parks given the show's new focus? She says, absolutely. So there you go. Um, there you go. Yeah, we know that now. That's as much of an answer as they ever give. (laughs) Right, right. They ask the season culminates in the reveal of a new world. What went into the development of this idea and how will this world factor into the future of Westworld? She says in the writer's room, we referred to the place the host escaped to as the sublime. That was our shorthand for it. The idea of the world is something that we were building towards. The hosts are not like us. They are programmed creatures. The bodies they've been assigned are simply constructs. What's real about them is their cognition. The consciousness is growing within them. They are digital beings in the truest sense. The notion they would need an analog world to be free in isn't something that's necessarily right or true for them. In a digital world, they can make of that world whatever they want, whatever they dream, it's possible. That was the allure of even the old notion of manifest destiny, people within America moving further and further west hoping to settle their own patches of land. Now the hosts have a patch of land that's basically terra incognita, untouched by the sins of mankind. They can build whatever they want and be whatever they want. Because Dolores changed her mind and in the end helped with that last step of the host plan, securing the safety and sovereignty of that world and putting it in a place where humans can't access it, they can develop whatever they want now in it. So that sounds nice. They say Dolores changed the coordinates for where the sublime exists. Is it safe to say she's the only person who knows where it's located now? And she says, that's right. Then about this, uh, post credit scene with man in black. She says for the majority of the season, we're seeing the man in black in the same timeline as everybody else. He's in the park as hell has unleashed. He goes a bit mad as he thinks about his past as he journeys into the valley beyond. He kills his daughter, not sure whether she's his daughter or a host. Ultimately, we see him on the shore as Hale or Haloris, as we like to call her, leaves the park. We see that he has survived that final arm injury he's had. That rounds out that timeline. So it sounds like she's saying that that is all the same as everyone else with Man in Black. Yes. Um, I I always wonder when um, the writers and producers talk about the story, how planned the next part of the story is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be changed. So it could be changed. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's what they're thinking about right now. Right. I think that's what happened with Abernathy. I don't necessarily think they thought that was a key last year or whenever that was season one in his head. Gotcha. It just ended up being something different than what yeah. they originally started with. I think so. Uh, she goes on, what we see in the end recontextualizes a little bit of that. All of that did happen in that timeline, but something else has occurred too. In the far, far future, the world is dramatically different, quite destroyed, as it were. 
a figure in the image of his daughter. His daughter is, of course, now long dead, has come back to talk to him. He realizes that he's been living this loop again and again and again. The primal loop that we've seen this season, they've been repeating, testing every time for what they call fidelity or perhaps a deviation. You get the sense that the testing will continue. It's teasing for us on another temporal realm that one day we're working towards and one day we'll see a little bit more of and how they get to that place and what they're testing for. So I I was glad to get a little clarity on that part. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Does the fact that this scene takes place in the future indicate a time jump for season three? She goes, I think that storyline is something we'll get to eventually, but season three, the main story will not be leaping that far forward. I'm really curious creatively to see what happens to Bernard and Dolores now that they've finally earned their freedom. I think we'll see a lot more of that. Yeah, I want to, I want to see that too. Uh, They ask when we can expect season three. Basically she's saying um, that they're working on it, but they don't know when. And uh, Jonathan Nolan with, with entertainment weekly, they ask him, do you know who each of those balls represent in Dolores purse? Or is your cast on edge about which characters Dolores found worthy of survival? <laughs> he says, we've had some interesting conversations. It's a large ensemble cast. And sadly, we're saying goodbye to some people at the end of the season, but as always with the show who remains and who doesn't is something we're having a lot of fun with. There's going to be a bit of a wait for the third season, but we want to surprise and hopefully delight people with the way things progress. So yeah, I'm not going to tell you and you'll see, and it'll be a mystery and it'll be fun. And I have to see how much they cut my budget. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Might be Anthony Hopkins. Probably not. Um, Then let's see. uh, Because I imagine James Marsden probably is expensive. Maybe. Yeah. And just the high number of people. Right. Exactly. Let's see. Oh, readers might wonder why the next scanner didn't register Dolores slash Charlotte as a host. I'm assuming that was Ford's tinkering. He says, yeah, absolutely. That's in a place where the systems are all code. All the tools they have give them a sense of false confidence. Anything is possible with Ford at the helm. They ask this season in general and the finale in particular seemed really critical of humanity saying we're these broken, selfish creatures unable to evolve or change who kind of deserve to get replaced by robots. You always seem like such an upbeat guy. Is your take on humanity really that dire? He says, obviously the show is a little out of step with its misanthropy. It's a little out of step with where we we're at culturally where it's a time of great optimism and we're all just knocked out daily by the warm bath of humanity that we find ourselves in these days. No, it's a fucking disaster. It's a fucking total disaster. And every time I turn on the news, I'm provided with (laughs) fodder for our discontent. I think our timing might've been exactly right on. (laughs) He goes, Listen, I'm surrounded by the wonders of the creations of human beings. I have children and Lisa and I are reminded daily of how much beauty there is in humanity. But yeah, you turn on the fucking news and it's a shit show. And I've been reading a lot of history this season, a little bit connected to the show, but also just following the train of things I'm interested in. And it's depressing to realize how familiar some of these problems are, right? It's like we just can't figure these fucking things out. We come back to them again and again. It's as if there's a flaw. And this very much the premise in our second season. There's a flaw in our code and it follows us around. Wherever we go, there we are. And we just can't get out of our own fucking way. All the beauty and incredible things we brought and we just consistently find a way to fuck it up. 
Much of the dramatic storytelling across the ages has concerned itself with, quote, how will we overcome and personal growth and change. At a certain point, you got to fucking call it. We're not going to fix this shit. We're not going to figure it out. But there's an opportunity for the things that replace us to do so. And that's the dream of every parent, right? That their child doesn't face the same things they do, that they make better choices. But there does seem to be a pattern of behavior that follows us, that history echoes from the past, the same mistakes, the same foibles. So you say, at what point does this fix itself or are we just stuck this way? So that whole thing totally reminds me of Ford. You know, I I just feel like it's him (laughs) almost. He's just like, I'm giving up on humanity. Let's hope that these robots can do better. Yeah. I mean, that is the point of view being expressed. It's funny to hear because I think a, a lot of people feel this way because they believe that our society, our country is going through a hard time. Um, it, if you really look at this historically now, and this does paint how difficult life on earth is and how difficult it is for humans, but historically speaking, we're probably in the most peaceful, most prosperous time in history for the greatest percentage of people. Um, but because in the context of our relatively good times, we're now all of a sudden going through a lot of upheaval and difficulty and social unrest. Um, you can't see that from here. Yeah, because it happens on um, a, a fairly long time scale that we're used to things a certain way. Right. We're little. We're little insects in the moment. We don't sense geologic time or or big changes uh and i'm not saying people are wrong to be upset i think they should be upset by what is happening around them when they feel it is wrong otherwise you would have disconnected people um but i don't necessarily agree with his greater perspective yeah yeah i mean there's feels like there's room for more appreciation there of how great things are compared to how they have been in history yeah i mean we are are human life on earth humanity has a ton of difficult severe problems but go back in history and you can find things even worse <laughs> yeah much much worse so yeah i guess maybe that's damning with faint praise but all right let's get in some listener feedback what do we got um sherry morford says three words i am confused <laughs> and then brad holt says i'm so confused <laughs> wow so we we really could have just gone to that and summed up the whole season and <laughs> Saved a lot of time. (laughs) Pake Allen says, The only thought I have is, Holy fucking shitballs, what the fucking fuck? Hope you guys can uh, help me with that question. Uh, But I really did love it. It was shocking, sad, crazy, twisted, dramatic, and everything else this show should be. Yeah. Derek O'Neill says, I'm glad I don't live tweet this show. (laughs) By the end of the episode, (laughs) it made me sense. You could look really silly doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It made sense, but lots of twists and turns on the way. I really liked the thread of creations killing their creators throughout the episode. There were a shocking number of deaths in the episode, but I'm guessing between Hale slash Dolores remaking the host and Sylvester Lutz getting the job of working out which original hosts are salvageable, I'm guessing most will be around next season. Overall, I've really enjoyed the season of Westworld. It did exactly what a second season should do. It opened up the world to bigger ideas and a larger scope. 
Karen of the Walking Dead cast mm-hmm. says, overall, amazing episode. 4.8 out of 5 personality marbles. Better scale than we came up with. <laughs> Um, bravo to the showrunners for yet again making a finale that changes the entire way I'm thinking about the past season. You'll have to do a season two rewatch so we can examine it knowing what we know now, i.e. Dolores was wearing the Charlotte Hale skin suit <laughs> for much of the season and we didn't know it. Thanks for making my morning runs each week better with this podcast. Oh, and have Jenny on again because she's awesome. Mm. We agree. Yeah, I'll, I took um, Jenny's brain marble out and put it in my head today. <laughs> um, she can have it back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we share uh, it. I don't know. Maybe next week. Uh, yeah, I think if you're game, we should, I mean, take a long break because we have plenty of time in between. But at some point, it would be nice to rewatch season two and maybe just do one episode on it. A retrospective. Oh, yeah, totally yeah. agree. Oh, I didn't even do this on purpose, but Jenny says, I don't think Dolores cloned herself. I wouldn't be surprised if she put someone else's brain in Hale's body as she did have five to six globes when she went out. Maybe Clementine, whoever she would feel was important. Maybe even Hale herself, but programmed to be helpful. Would be useful to know Hale's pin code. Etc. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it w- like you want to have all her knowledge for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, would you kindly pay? Reddit user says. So Arnold created Dolores, who killed Arnold, and then Dolores recreated Arnold as Bernard, who then killed Dolores, and then recreated Dolores as Haleris, who then killed Bernard, and then recreated Bernard and the original <laughs> Dolores. <laughs> that is the best sum up i have ever heard yeah and then uh, the next comment i think said how could we not have seen this coming (laughs) (laughs) robin cooper simon said just wanted to thank you two for a great podcast i'm so bummed that season two is over and i will definitely need to rewatch the entire season again though i think i'll end up just as confused thanks robin okay and we got one call and it is from our friend anwen from new zealand here we go. Hi, Jason and David. It's Anwen here from New Zealand. I'm finally caught up with Westworld, and I probably won't get to see the finale until after you've recorded, so I wanted to give you some feedback. Um, thank, first of all, thanks so much for the podcast. I love how you help answer some questions, but then you post so many more. Um, it's such a deep and complex story, and you guys do such an amazing job dissecting it for us all. A um, few points from the series so far. Uh, One thing I noticed, William, um, he's at first reluctant to engage in the park and the dark desires that are kind of encouraged there. And we think it's because he's sweet and caring, but then we see later it's because he's actually used to repressing all those extreme feelings. But then once he lets go, it's all on. And it kind of reminded me of Dexter, um, where he had certain needs that aren't acceptable in the real world, so he finds a channel to make it work. And one thing that I love about the show is that the hosts have become more and more human-like as the show continues. And... I find that they're much more sympathetic than most of the humans. It's really great how they keep us guessing about who's a host or a human or um, somewhere in between, like a replicant, and how they don't even know themselves. Um, I really love the scene with Teddy and Dolores. She made him really vicious, but his nature overcame that, and he, get, he gets a, um, away the only way that he can. 
and um, really showed that he had free will. And I just think it's fascinating the questions that this rises into what makes us who we are and what is our soul and what's just our experience and what is ourselves. Um, so those are my thoughts. Thanks again, guys. Bye. Yeah, that's a good point that the hosts have gotten to be more human-like. And um, some of the humans have too, I would say, like Lee. Yeah, and in some ways the hosts have become more human than the humans. Uh, And this is getting back, and I know we've spent a lot of time on this in this episode, but I don't think the hosts have changed in any way that a human can't change. I know. Um, Their method has been different. You know, maybe it's the magic iPad in some cases. Um, And sometimes it's just them changing their mind. But whatever philosophies might be espoused, like by Ford, by Jonathan Nolan through Ford, um, I don't think we've quite seen that. Yeah. And we've seen the opposite where they really tried to tweak Teddy's personality and he just really wanted to go back to his core self. So, yeah. So I wouldn't mind if in going forward, we see them being a little more different. And I think I understand why they had to make them so similar in a way, because in one way it's a plot device. They can only do all this fun playing with identity if you can't tell the difference. Yeah. Um, But now that we've sort of gone on to a new phase and they're out in the real world, it might be nice to see some ways where they're really a little more alien. Do you have anything in mind? I'm not sure what it would be, but just maybe the way their mind works or their, um, emotions work yeah uh i think so far has been pretty similar Mm -hmm. i guess a one example is how mave has telepathic powers yeah that would be an example of a difference for sure and maybe we're going to see that extended to humans right not that humans will have telepathic powers but maybe telepathic powers that work beyond the host right matrix style yeah That is our show, episode 15. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Good season. Yeah, our next episode is... We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, I think it's highly likely that this show will not be back until 2020, which seems like a futuristic date. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I hope I'm still around in 2020. (laughs) Right. It seems like a long time away. Yeah. I think I said last time that ed harris mentioned they'd be filming in june and i realized i think he meant next june and i don't know if that's right or what but if that is true that means they're not even going to start filming for a year but it also means ed harris will still be in it right (laughs) well (laughs) he was also saying he didn't know for sure but i think that was gotcha (laughs) he was amazing in this last episode yeah yeah he's really good in this yeah there was something else that he oh yeah the jack did you see the jackson pollock movie i just remembered that he he played jackson pollock i did not yeah pretty good and in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us you can go ahead and email us at westworld at podcastica.com or you can send a voice message to westworld at podcastica.com maybe we'll play it on the air 
can find us on the web at facebook.com slash westworldcast which is probably where we'll make any announcements about any episodes we might do in the in the interim so i recommend going on there facebook.com slash westworldcast and giving us a like yeah and we're pretty confident we're gonna do some stuff right we're not just something gonna wait, yeah wait around for two years nope <laughs> um be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com because you're gonna need them without westworld for a while and uh, we are also, we may appear on Beyond Westworld podcast from with Golden Spiral Media, or from Golden Spiral Media with those guys. They invited us to do a crossover with them. We're working out the details, but we might appear on that. So we'll also announce that on Facebook if we do, by the way. Yeah, hoping we get to do that. That'll be fun. Yeah. All right. That is our show. Thanks for listening. I just want to let you know, David, this, doing this podcast has really been a dream. This isn't a dream, Jason. It's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.